Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Oh, the podcast is now underway, so there'll be no more of that. No. Right, right, welcome to Off Air. Thank when, you. Wednesday already. Can you believe oh. it? I can't believe it, actually. And uh, you were, because I said today was our hump day, and you said that we'd already humped. Yeah, I think I hump um, as soon as I arrive at work on a Wednesday. I feel as though that's the start of the beginning of the end of my working week. Oh, you end up at the end in excitement. Well, who, yes. Well, that's not uncommon. Um, can we just say that um, we've had enough pictures now, gigantic pepper mills. <laughs> oh, no, I haven't got nearly enough. No, you haven't enough. Um, I think Tony, hello, Tony, yours is enormous. <laughs> and you, you must be immensely proud. <laughs> uh, so, yes, well, Tony's so big it doesn't even fit on the page. No, he needs two pages. <laughs> Oh, stop it. Yes, stop pathetic. it. Um, and actually, who was the, where's the email saying that we're basically channeling uh, the great Victoria Wood? And I think that was right. Yes, here we are. It's from Errol. Uh, hello, Errol. And Errol says, do you realise that you were channeling Victoria Wood? First, the reference to Lark Rise to Candleford <laughs> made me think instantly of Victoria's spoof, Lark Rise to Cranchesterford. <laughs> yes, I mean, I think that was in a Christmas special, wasn't it? It was extremely funny. And then, of course, she had to sketch... <laughs> about gigantic pepper mills. I absolutely love Victoria Wood. And, you know, I mean, there are a lot, let's be honest, celebrity deaths occur. I mean, our own deaths will occur. <laughs> celebrity deaths occur very frequently. But that death really got me. Yeah. I was really sad about Victoria Wood. And I do, I think I probably do still laugh at something she said or did. You know, most weeks something will crop up. So I think she, you're absolutely right, Errol. It's always in my head. So there's a new book of uh, kind of compilation yes. of her best Have you stuff. Got a, I yeah. got one. Chunky. Chunky, it's called. Yeah. Yes, I got one. Which looks amazing. Yeah. Well, it's lovely. I've got it on my sofa and I just occasionally just dip in and yeah. revisit a sketch. I mean, the funniest one, <laughs> partly, I think, is the is the, cha the channel swimmer. <laughs> I know, who just went off and never came back. A mum and dad didn't, or a mum in particular, was really not that bothered. So much. that was a whole spoof documentary, oh, wasn't it? Yes, it, it wasn't even yeah. a sketch. No, it, it was a whole yeah. half an hour. Extremely funny. Yeah. And yeah. um, can I just mention parish notices uh, that we have decided our next book club book. Uh, so it's Boy Swallows Universe. It's by an Australian journalist called Trent Dalton. 
Um, forgive us because uh, Jane and I had never heard of Trent Dalton, but lots of our Antipodean listeners have, and they've sent us rather worrying emails saying, mm, brave choice. <laughs> so we don't know what we're in store for no, there. we don't. Uh, at all, um, but we will give it a go, and we were quite determined to read something by a man. Uh, so uh, there weren't very many suggestions, actually. So, uh, I, I mean, if Trent's listening to this, he's not going to be thrilled to see no, with that criteria. There were loads of suggestions, but not many of you mentioned a male author. Yeah. And we did just want to just let, let people know that our church is broad. So broad. It's... Our nave is long. <laughs> it really is. Yep. And the font is always closed. And for people who aren't Christians... <laughs> Oh, no, we can't. We can't go no, through every don't. single. Yeah. Uh, shall we just get the kind of finar finars out of the way, and then we will read some slightly well, more we've got serious, some quite emails. serious emails about body part names, haven't we? Well, we have. But can we just get almond joy and mounds out of the oh, way? Oh yeah, go on. Uh, so uh, lots of people have sent in uh, the same link to a video that you can get on the tube of you. Uh, where you can see an advertisement from 1978 for Almond Joy Mounds. Uh, we can't play it out uh, because we are governed by music publishing copyright law. Uh, but if you'd like to just go and take a look at it, Jane and I just laughed all the way through. It's from a time when when you just can't imagine what the brief was for the advertising copywriters. You know, it's a chocolate bar, yeah. but it features a running race, there's yeah. a horse race somewhere in mm. there, there's some snogging. It's extraordinary. I think it comes from the golden age of advertising. Yeah. It's, but, a, it's a truly brilliant ad. Yeah. And what was the slogan? Sometimes you so, feel... Sometimes you want nuts, sometimes you don't. So Sometimes you feel like a nut and sometimes, sometimes you, you don't. don't. Yeah. And Almond actually, Joy Mounds. It really... I think it's a great slogan. I think it's a great tune. We wish we could play it for you. Uh, and it also has an almost pornographic bit of footage of the mound being made. <laughs> it's extraordinary. Which you don't, you don't get that kind of thing anymore. Where, well, you're not allowed it. No, really, I just, the, where the chocolate is sort of slathered over. A, anyway, if you, if you look it up, you'll, you'll see um, the pure joy. Yeah, of, it's uh, 2 minutes 38. Yes. Uh, very, very, very it. well spent. So just yeah. enjoy it. And I'm sorry that we can't play it out here. But thank you to everybody who sent in stuff, uh, particularly Rachel, uh, who always likes uh, a little bit of a listen and I think was chortling away when we were talking about mounds. Right. OK, um, let's uh, let's invite Adam into the podcast room. Many, many years ago, I got a text from a male colleague who was sitting quite close to me. It read, can't wait to work some magic on you this evening. My wand is ready. When he heard my phone ping, our eyes met as I looked up at him and it dawned on both of us at exactly the same moment that he'd inadvertently sent the text to the person at the top of his contact list and not, as intended, to his wife. OK, um, that must be quite difficult if you're at the beginning of the alphabet. Is that something that happens a lot? Yes, uh, maybe it is. I mean, I've put double A in front of all of my most important people on my phone so that they do come up at the top. And sometimes I do ping the wrong double A. Yeah. You're still under J. Yeah, that's all right. <laughs> no, we never actually speak, do we, outside of school? What if we can help it. <laughs> um, OK, um, I wonder whether that is something that happens regularly to people who find themselves through no fault of their own but pure alphabetical chance 
at the beginning of everybody's contest. Mm. I think it happens increasingly on WhatsApp as well, doesn't it? I have done that quite a few so times. So you can be the victim of endless bum calls. Yeah, or yeah. or I've just lifted something, you know, a piece of text or whatever it is, and I've screenshotted it, and I go onto my WhatsApp, and it just falls onto the first group that's up there where I've been chatting, and they can be very inappropriate. You know, the parents from school don't want to know some of the inside gossip from Times Radio. Don't they? I'm no. amazed. Actually, Adam goes on to say these days HR would get involved. Well, you know what life's like now, Adam. I mean, it's crazy, isn't it, with all the wokery? Uh, he thinks he might have been offered counselling. <laughs> Think you would, think you would. Uh, but then, of course, his life just became a misery, as naturally the text was shared with the whole office. Oh, God. I actually feel a bit sorry for him. And it's quite, I mean, it's a very sweet message. Yes. It um, could be so much cruder. Yes. Yeah. Yes, I mean, it's uh, it's in its own way rather romantic. It's got a touch of the Paul Daniels and Debbie McGee. Oh. Uh, the Takara deep soaking tub has ruined my retirement, Jane, yeah, because I, I was very, very much hoping that I was going to make a fortune out of baths that had places that you could sit in them and little shelves that you could rest your elbows on. And Alex says, uh, don't give up the day jobs. Uh, all of these baths already exist. And you've sent a very nice little picture there. So that's just me done for, really. I did ask whether uh, the kitchen jeopardy in Boiling Point is actually real life. Um, <coughs> yes, right. Play the casualty music there. Uh, and Nafisa has emailed. She's a regular correspondent. Always good to hear from you. I hope you're okay. She says, I volunteer in a church cafe. It's open between 10 in the morning and 2 in the afternoon. We do the usual sandwiches, paninis, toasted tea cakes. Oh, I'm getting hungry. Baked potatoes and so on. At our busy times, it is so hectic. When I prepare and serve food, I make sure each plate is absolutely perfect, just as I would like my food served. Everyone in the kitchen has their role to play and they've got to be on top of it. If not, the whole thing can turn to chaos. All food has to be freshly prepared, all dates in the fridge and the freezer checked, all particular requests of diners have got to be met. It is so intense and that's just a small cafe. I can truly appreciate the huge pressure of a five-star kitchen. I think Boiling Point is brilliant. And so do I, by the way. Best thing I've seen on telly for ages. And you haven't watched it yet, have you? No, well, and I'm unlikely to. But I don't know why, because genuinely you would enjoy it. Well, I'll tell you why, because we did try watching The Bear, which is no, all about the yeah, chef, know, and this... we couldn't carry on because it was just so stressful to watch. And uh, it, it's not what I want from my, you know, lounging on a sofa weekday evening watching. I don't want anything that's really, really stressful. You've never watched anything about the war? Uh, no, well, I'm currently, I had to stop watching Laura Koonsberg's fantastic uh, documentary series called State of Chaos about the demise of our democracy. So I was finding that a bit stressful too. I sought refuge in some more episodes of Fisk, which I am really oh, yeah. loving. You're not the only person to have recommended it. Yeah, no, loads of our listeners have, which is why I started watching it, because I think it was a recommendation after some of us had finished watching Colin from Accounts, which you wouldn't watch. No, OK, well, we've both got form there. Carry on. Uh, this one comes from Carl, and it's uh, apropos of something that we were discussing on the programme yesterday, which was about stags and hens. Mm. Uh, and I think the mayor of Seville, uh, or the head of the tourist office in Seville, has just asked stag parties, particularly from this country, to just calm down mm. and stop blowing up your penises and wandering around and disturbing the locals and thinking that you're hilarious. And they're not the only city in Europe to do that. And Carl just says... Uh, 
Is it just me that thinks that those who make such a big deal about celebrating their singledom are probably a little unwise to be embarking on marriage? And I wonder what people think about that. And I would love to hear some stories about stags and hens that have been really over the top because I think that's such a modern thing, Jane, to have these whole weekends and, Mm. you know, you've got to have a life drawing class halfway through and everybody's got to, you know, make something and bring something and it costs a fortune. And it's kind of like, oh, this isn't even the wedding. No. I think the cost, I think there's a time in your life, if you're not careful, where you can find yourself attending, I don't know, seven or eight weddings across a year or a summer, and the cost is absolutely off the scale because you've got to pay for a hen or stag weekend, then there's a gift, then there's buying something potentially to wear to the event. It's just crazy. There's a lot of drama. There's a lot of drama, and I'm here to tell you quite a few divorces. Yeah. Uh, So shall we work out whether or not there is some kind of a matrix going on there? And thank you for drawing our attention to it, Carl. I think you're right, actually. I think you're right. Uh, Kate says, uh, in the 1970s, we spent many a holiday B&Bing around the west coast of Scotland and we never booked accommodation in advance. Gosh, by the way, I think that's unwise. Which, as you can imagine, caused all kinds of marital bickering between my parents. Why then didn't they book? I mean, just a suggestion, throwing it into the mix, if it caused them upset. Anyway, they arrived as a family in Fort William late one August afternoon. You've been there? Yes. Yes, I have to. Uh, my mum was apoplectic with prophecies of having to sleep in the car. But luckily, the tourist information lady had got one vacancy left. The only drawback was that the owner was new to the B&B game. We arrived at an unpromising wee pebble dash house to a kitchen table laden with all sorts of goodies. Bless her, the landlady had obviously been preparing for hours just in case she got a booking. She would never have made a profit had she continued to cater on that scale. The pièce de la résistance was her homemade bounty bars. As I recall, they were covered in Bourneville chocolate, so the desired dark variety. Mm. I hope that lady continued to great success in the B&B game, actually, because she sounds like someone committed to the cause. So I would have thought, which is not to do down uh, this particular landlady's creativity and culinary art, but presumably it's not that hard to make a bounty bar, actually. Wouldn't it be desiccated coconut, lots of kind of sugar syrup? Maybe pop it in the freezer. Well, hang on, because we have more help in that direction from Sarah. Uh, one way to satisfy a craving for a dark co- a dark bounty, dark chocolate bounty, is to get coconut yoghurt, coconut flakes, and then melt some dark chocolate on top. Just pop it in the freezer for 15 minutes and a very tasty snack awaits you. Hope that helps. Well, hmm. I think it will. Thank you very much. Would you like me to try that? Yes, please. OK, I'll see what happens. Um, now, we've been told off uh, because Philip Larkin isn't from Hull. He no. was born and bred uh, in Lisa's hometown of Coventry, mm-hmm. which she says is almost as exciting as Hull. But he is celebrated in Hull and the university library is named after him. Was he at the university? I think he was the librarian. Yeah, so yeah. there we go. Uh, Hello, Fee and Joan. I feel compelled to stick up for the Peugeot pepper grinder. This is where it all started. I, too, had no idea that Peugeot made grinders until I visited a fancy kitchen shop whilst on holiday in France. My husband had been on the lookout for the ultimate grinder set after some previously disappointing results with another popular brand. What a guy, Lisa. His excitement was palpable when we bought this set, which has five different settings of coarseness. Does yours? Oh, no. No, it's nothing like as if it... Unless I've just been using it wrong, which 
with me is always a possibility. Yeah. Uh, the grinders have a satisfying twist, and I feel your pain, Jane, in yours being out of action. Never apologise for the mundanity of life. Another of our pursuits is to find the perfect peg for the washing line. Uh, thanks for keeping me entertained on my journey to and from work. Uh, well, Lisa, I'm with you on the perfect peg thing uh, because if you get the plastic pegs, these they just spin round, Jane. They're just not clippy enough. And it's quite hard to get a really, really decent wooden yeah, peg anymore. I mean, I'm with you. It is an incredible... It's a false economy to get cheap pegs. It is. That and much I have learned. Cheap coat hangers go into that, that category also, too. Also coat hangers. But I think more so pegs. I'd also put tights in that category. Yeah. Although, on the other hand, if you snag an expensive pair of tights, that's infuriating. Snag a cheaper pair, you don't care quite so much. But pegs, you're absolutely right to highlight this as one of the big issues of our time. There was no mention of it from Sunak. You cannot get decent clothes pegs in this country. Mm. I'm always buying them and that shouldn't be the case. Environmentally, it's just really dodgy, isn't it? Yeah, but well, if you're if you're buying the plastic ones, well, I've, yes. I've tried them both, and they just they just collapse, they just fall apart. Mm. Is it the weather? Uh, no, I think it's just badly made. Oh, okay. Anyway, we um, started something. It, it will be finished. Don't worry. Now, this is uh, an email. It's a serious email, and it comes from a, a personal perspective, and it's about. Um, the segregation of the sexes in hospitals. And this was something that we did talk about on the programme yesterday, the radio programme, not on the podcast. And that the woman in question says, please don't mention my name, as I'm terrified of any backlash, which I guess is an illustration of just how difficult some of the conversations around this issue have become. But she says, if you've ever been admitted to A&E or onto an overnight observation ward, there is no privacy. I have heard it all from the young man who'd overdosed on Viagra, and half the clinical team and ambulance crews came to have a chat and a laugh, to the obvious distress of an elderly lady having to talk about her prolapsed uterus and the rattling of the chains on a trolley of the prisoner next to me chatting away to his male warders while I was asked about my gynaecology uh, symptoms. At least if you're admitted to a female ward, as my mother was following a diagnosis of ovarian cancer, there is some knowledge and empathy from the women around you. She would have been humiliated if ward rounds were conducted with trans women in the bed next door. Um, thank you for the email. Um, you've obviously been there yourself and witnessed all sorts of... Um, well, I mean, I think in any... If you were admitted to hospital, you are at your most vulnerable. That, that goes without saying. I think it is... I mean, it isn't fair to suggest that every trans woman in hospital poses a threat to anyone. That's just not true. Uh, but I do feel for this correspondent who obviously has been in a situation where, well, I mean, there were, there were no trans women involved in the conversation, In sorry, in her experience of being in hospital. But she is right. You are you are exposed to stuff going on around you. I mean, yeah. that's certainly true in hospital. There's just no getting away from that. Yeah. And especially in that uh, triage kind totally. of place. Yeah. You know, yeah. and it's very hard to see how that could be solved you know they are the, the nurses and the doctors are doing the very best aren't they in, in sending you off uh, to the place in the hospital where you should be mm. maybe we should just explain the story it was because the health secretary uh, had announced at the Tory party conference that trans women uh, would be 
able to have a separate space actually and wouldn't be on female wards in the future. Yeah, although that wasn't what Steve Barclay emphasised. Steve Barclay emphasised the fact that trans women wouldn't be allowed on female wards. So you're right, because they did suggest... Well, if you read up on it, it suggested that there would be, quite miraculously, um, if you know anything about the NHS, space made available for trans patients. Well... That's easier said than done, I suspect. But we talked to somebody from the organisation Gendered Intelligence who basically, in her opinion, the government was solving an issue that just didn't actually actually exist. Mm. We don't know that either, in truth, do we? Um, so I suppose we've, we've got to be very careful. But I just wanted to read that email out because there is no doubt that that view exists and there's no doubt that you can feel very much on edge if you're a patient, particularly admitted suddenly to hospital. Yeah, uh, but that includes trans women. It includes everybody who's admitted to hospital. Yeah. 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 Uh, but thank you for the email. And actually, do, we have said before that we want this to be a place where people can, you know, talk about talk about stuff that, that may perhaps not be that easily expressed and may not get a hearing anywhere else. So I think that there's, there's so much in that email, but that very, very telling plea at the end uh, to just stay anonymous in case there's a backlash... Uh, it's just not the place that we should be in at the moment no. where you feel that you can't express an opinion and therefore enlighten yourself because nobody's going to get anywhere uh, if you... And I'm not... This isn't a criticism of our emailer, but that, that fear that people have of saying what they're feeling at the moment, you know, there's just, there's just no way to air other thoughts, other experiences and get to a place where people might feel a bit happier. Mm -hmm. uh, so, yes, treat us as a safe space, overused term, but that's what we are. Can we just briefly mention, as we did, I, I referred to the gyne not gynaecological, well, it kind of is, um, the part, the names we give to, to private, so-called private parts. Private parts, Private, Joe, parts. private parts. Yes. Um, Susan says, my son went to an infamous stroke, famous boys' boarding school and had a female uh, English literature teacher. She insisted that they didn't use the word vagina as it was a Roman term for sheath, implying, of course, that it was just a receptacle for male bits. Now, that's true, and it is outrageous. Mm. Um, she decreed that the old English word, and you know that one, but I won't be saying it, was a much more feminist term for the female anatomy, and that was the term the boys had to use when discussing references in literature to that part of the female body. Gosh, that's quite bold. Well, kind of right. Yeah, I find that I find that word. I know it's been reclaimed. Uh, I still find it difficult to hear and say. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> I think I've said this before, but I don't mind saying it again. We chose the term Wendy bits in our house for female private parts because I don't like the term vagina and I don't like the really kind of. Um, well, as a number of listeners have pointed out, it's the vulva actually. The vagina is the internal space. Yes. So well, when when do you bits, know any Wendy's? <laughs> well, that was the problem. Yeah, we okay. didn't at know the time any Wendy's at the time. Yeah, exactly. And this is the problem. But then when we did meet a Wendy, of course, it all fell apart. <laughs> So, back to square one with that one. Here's Kevin MacLeod. Thank goodness. <laughs> so, Kevin MacLeod was our big guest today. Uh, he could be held responsible for a whole modern syndrome, the one where you, a person with absolutely no experience of the building trade or architectural practice, set out to build your own home, preferably starting at the beginning of a very wet, cold winter with not quite enough money in the bank. And if you're expecting your first baby, well, you win the prize. <laughs> it's the grand design syndrome, isn't it, which we love to watch as green roofs are hoisted up on 
old farm buildings and Kev uses phrases like mechanical heritage and authentic brickwork in a slightly erotic way. Kevin is more than just the presenter. He's been involved in several large house building projects himself. He's a keen supporter of the net zero trajectory this country was on until the Prime Minister diverted from those targets last week. So I spoke to Kevin as he was preparing to open the gates for Grand Designs Live, which is in Birmingham this year. I asked him how he thinks that they're due in comparison with the Conservative Party conference. Will people go to both? I, I, I couldn't comment on that last question, but I think we'll be back next year. Okay. <laughs> so that that's probably the you know Yes, um, I hear Yeah, you. we'll be here. I mean I dare say they'll be having a conference next year too, but maybe we'll see who knows. But I wonder I mean, when people go along to something like Grand Designs Live, what does the kind of person who goes there, what does it tell us about our love affair with our homes, our aspirations for our homes? Uh, our whole kind of notion of home? It's a very interesting question. I, th- I think it tells us that um, the attachment to place, you know, the attachment to um, the hearth, the heart of the home, the idea of home as the sanctuary, as a place of refuge, as a place of um, uh, personal expression is as strong, perhaps stronger than it ever was. And it's I remember after we had the great crash of 2008 with Iceland and the banks, I think our exhibition opened on the Tuesday or something, two days afterwards, and we thought no one would come. And actually, we had one of our best years ever. And I I think the the point about the exhibition is that it offers a great deal um, for anybody who enjoys the show. So there's a sort of way in which it, of course, springs that alive. And um, and I do enjoy meeting our customers because there's no other way for me to meet them. And um, and I, it also, I think, offers pe- people that opportunity to just engage with makers and doers and uh, people who are responsible for the made and built world. So most of us, of course, we consume in, in a very remote way. We click a button on a phone and stuff arrives from China um, and we don't know who's made it or when or where. And um, whereas I think to be able to find somebody, I, mean, I once bought some placemats at the exhibition, Grand Designs Live, and I've also bought a table and I've bought some garden furniture. And in every case, I've met either somebody who works for the company uh, or I've met the maker themselves, and, and and as was the case with the placemats and the table. And the the joy of commissioning something or buying something, no, knowing that there's a narrative behind it, a human meaning, adds value to the object, to the experience, makes the experience of buying it, of course, meeting them memorable, and it, you know, it engages us with things that are made. It helps us understand just how hard it is to make things and to make things beautifully. And I think that's a... That's long, that understanding and that meaning has long been separated um, from goods. Um, it's rather like seeing the photograph of the, you know, the, the, the farmer on, on the front of the lamb chops mm. in the supermarket. Of course, the huge problem now in this country is that so many people can only afford the placemats. They cannot afford the home and yeah. they're never going to be able to afford the home. So I wonder what your thoughts are on that as a house builder yourself. You've been involved in the actual projects of house building and also somebody you know, who's had their 
uh, not just their toe, but the foot in the door of that building world for quite some time. Yeah, um, it's a very volatile time right now in terms of pricing and costs. It's volatile in terms of the energy markets, of course. It's meant we've been delivered a cost of living crisis and um, and we don't take any of that lightly. The organisers certainly don't. I mean, the, the exhibition is not just makers and retailers. It's also activities. There's, you know, we have three theatres. We have exhibitions of young green graduates, uh, my green heroes. Um, we have uh, expert advice centres. We have an, a, an advice centre entirely given over to to green living, uh, and and those expert advice centres. Anybody can just turn up with a, a, a drawing or an idea, or just want to have a conversation about their energy bills and find advice from people who are really skilled and expert and give of their time freely and. And, and that's always been the case with the show. And I, I, it's, it's sort of my favorite bit, partly because of the way in which these experts all come and, you know, just give, give of their time um, mm. so generously. But, um, but, but we also have a, right in the middle of the show, a, a house that we built, which, which is full of uh, technological ideas but it's also been made zero carbon by OVO, who have come along and decarbonized every tech that, that's gone into the building, whether that's heating, lighting, or, or, or TVs. And um, that, 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 I think, you know, as much as Grand Designs, the television series and the program thrive in times actually difficult and prosperous. So I think because we point to the future, we're showing what's coming down the line. I think that's a hugely important in terms of helping people well understand where they might be in five years, how they might be living, but also to provide some notion that there is a future, that there is hope, that there is stuff going on, that people are kind of trying to solve problems and also um, deliver you know, high quality, affordable housing and mm. you know, all the rest of it. Yeah. So can I push you a little bit politically, because I know that in 2015 you endorsed the Green Party, uh, whose mm -hmm. candidate at the time was Caroline Lucas, no longer available to you. Um, so in this coming election, would you be prepared to endorse a political party for their Green credentials? Uh, yeah, in as much as I live in Herefordshire and we have a potential candidate here, Ellie Chowne. So, um, yeah, I'll be supporting her. Yeah, of course. Um, what do you make of the government, Rishi Sunak's uh, recent announcement uh, and his comparison, actually, between the pressures being put on Britain financially and our ambitions to be net zero? Well, he talks about conservative pragmatism. Um, I, uh, what's one of my views? I mean, I agree with Caroline Lucas that, that, that you know, I, I find the thing immoral and I find it an abandonment of principle and an abandonment of policy, which previous governments of both colours have pushed through. It, it seems to be betraying a great number of conservative backbenchers, not to mention uh, other parties. And um, it, it, it's fundamentally, it's fundamentally, uh, it, it contradicts uh, all the advice that the Climate Change Committee have been providing government and the government and the House of Commons have agreed that they will not only take but take on and absorb and abide by the the recommendations of the climate change committee so um yeah i mean i, I it's a very very backward step and it's the latest in a number of backward steps in fact 
Yeah, but do you have sympathy for, you know, just the individual person who's listening to this, who's thinking, well, you know, I would love uh, to buy an electric vehicle. I would love to have a heat pump. I would love to live in a completely carbon neutral house, but I can't afford it. You know, my my money has to go on just keeping going at the moment. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. and that is the person that Rishi Sunak is calling to, isn't it? And that is a person who's feeling hardship. I think that's the person he's attempting to call to. I don't uh, put it this way. If, if you if you want change to happen in society, you don't just simply appeal to voters a year before an election in the hope that it'll sway some policy or, you know, a party getting elected. If you want to change things, you appeal to industry, you appeal to uh, you appeal to the city, you appeal to investment, you appeal, appeal to banks, you create a strategy, you create a long-term roadmap. We had this problem with solar power in as much as long-term objectives were given by Gordon Brown. 2016 target of zero carbon was given by that Labour government. And that long-term objective is crucial for businesses to invest. They don't invest in the, in the life cycles of government. They don't take, they don't take the investment uh, strategy of a five-year cycle. They instead say, no, we'll invest for five, 10, 20 years. We'll build a factory, in fact. This is what's happened with heat pumps. So one or two European fact, uh, manufacturers, Valent, uh, for example, have, have built factories in the UK with the view and the understanding that they were going to be delivering into a market that was going to be matured for them through legislation and through uh, deadlines being asserted in legislation by government. And this didn't happen. It's been reversed. So, so uh, I have great sympathy for these companies who are trying to plan, who are trying to advise, who are trying to work with the Climate Change Committee and work with government in trying to develop a strategy for electric cars, making them affordable. I mean, we're only going to get affordable heat pumps and affordable electric cars in five or ten years' time if we scale up. Mm. If we just produce them in dribs and drabs, we're not. Just one tiny question that both Jane and I have become rather obsessed by, Kevin. How can you ever have a heat pump if you live in a flat? Well, they can work on balconies. In fact, you know, there are many, many flats around the world that have air conditioning units just parked outside on a shelf outside the window. And they work, they're work they about the same size and they work in an extremely similar way. They're like an air conditioning unit backwards, really. So, um, But actually, I think the most interesting thing comes when you, 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 you start talking to social housing landlords, for example, um, and councils. Uh, and housing associations about providing community heat systems for residents in high-rise flats in, in, in multiple occupancy schemes. And that's where you get the real benefits because you're getting a benefit of scale as well. And, and, and uh, talking to the heat power manufacturers, many of them uh, seem to be excited by the idea of, of this model being applied um, across the country eventually street by street to private residences. So you can imagine at the end of your street might be a little power unit you might, as a street, collectively own that. You might collectively own some solar as well. And you, you end up uh, benefiting from the, the, the scaling of, of, of that and, and a district heating system, effectively, and a district mm. power system. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves 
without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1, only from Rust-Oleum. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Kevin McLeod uh, was our guest on the programme this afternoon. We decided to play a little game of Grand Designs Bingo with him, starting with... Does he have a heat pump? I've just ordered one. Okay, good. Yeah. Oh, thank goodness. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Only just in there. Uh, do you have bifold doors at home, Kevin? No, I don't have bifold doors, no. Do you have a cantilevered roof? No, I certainly don't. No, mine's firmly fixed. Have you ever lived in a small caravan on site whilst waiting for uh, your home to be completed? I, 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 no, I haven't. No, I haven't. Well, you don't qualify in that no, case, I don't. do you? I've lived, I have lived in my own house while I, currently I have no kitchen and uh, I'm camping in, in one room. So I kind of, I think it's actually worse to be living in the building while you're trying to knock it down around you than, than it is to, um, to be in a caravan. Yeah, um, Grand Designs is uh, such a feast for the eyes, isn't it? And and also, I think increasingly over the series, and I don't know whether you'd agree with this, we, we are being asked more and more to kind of emotionally invest in the people who are doing the Grand Designs themselves. And uh, I mean, sometimes you do think, is this couple going to survive at the end? And actually, some yeah. of them don't, do they? No, some come out really scarred and... and the thing about architecture and building is, of course, no people, no architecture, no people, no cars, no people, no houses, and and all of this. The the the, the, the particularly for building something that's very, um, let's use another bingo word, bespoke. Um, if you're if you're going to do that and you're going to record that, then then inevitably the the narrative that's going to unfold isn't a narrative of concrete and mud. That's always there. That's process. But the narrative that I felt will be the very human one of, of people's journey. And I think, I mean, somebody once said to me, it's, it's like it's one of the big adventures that we all imagine we can still go on, you know, trekking to the South Pole, yeah. sailing around and the world, building our own house. I mean, increasingly, uh, you know, we are watching it because we kind of probably can't do that ourselves, actually. Mm. And some of the designs are just so phantasmagorical. Uh, are you always sincere in that lovely end piece that you do, Kevin, when you arrive and everything looks beautiful and wonderful. And it doesn't matter how much you've said, I don't think this project's going to work. At the end, you, you, I mean, you have, you have to be in admiration of it, actually, don't you? Well, that's a good point. So we start always by picking projects that we like, that we really want to do, that we think are going to turn out well. And, and we don't pick projects deliberately that we think are going to run over or fall into some disastrous hole. So... Um, we, we, you know, much as these things usually happen, um, I, I love it when things go right. The, the, as to the piece of camera at the end, you know, they, these people have let us into their lives often for, for years, and we're not there to pick them apart, and, and we are there to try and celebrate what they've done. And it's, I suppose, in a way, that final piece of camera does sort of, it does sort of reveal the the the, the kind of quiet 
hidden thrust of the series, which is to celebrate what people have done. It's sometimes very hard because the projects can go so badly wrong that there doesn't seem anything there that you can talk about, in which case we talk about the difficulty. Um, and if there's nothing else, perhaps the hope that, that there might be some future. There was one episode which many people remember, which was of an unfinished house on the cliffs in Devon, an enormous thing built by Edward. And his marriage fell apart during the construction. He lost control of the project. It got bought out by venture capitalists, I think, and, and other investors. And he, he, he just about kind of retained some uh, small ownership there. And uh, and in at the end of the program, I, I, I sort of wrote a piece to camera about um, about reaching, overreaching, about about uh, about trying too hard, about hope being that emotion which which takes us to the edge of the cliff and then pushes us off. It was quite negative, and then we went back for the revisit, and he had actually finished two years later, and and actually it then became a little easier to talk about um, the next phase of his life, which which felt more redemptive, you know. Yeah, redemptive that was an. Ex an extraordinary building actually I mean it obviously mm. remains an extraordinary building uh, is there is there any other one that's really stayed with you perhaps just in terms of innovation in terms of style you know somewhere that actually you might like to live yourself ah yeah well I've long since given up on that because I've realized that you know it, that's just that's the road to misery in a or sense, if all, yeah. If all you're doing is, I mean, I, I'm very. I've, I've now reconciled myself to be very lucky to spend time in these buildings with these people. Uh, I, when the buildings are finished, they're often in extraordinary settings, and they, the, the experience of the building, whether it's urban or rural or wherever, is is nearly always phenomenal. And I've learned to drink that and and then move on to the next thing, and maybe be inspired by you know a material where I've, I've written the name down. Or something, but generally speaking, to 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 go through life, yeah, envious of other people is um, is a hiding to nowhere. And we've had over two hundred projects, so heavens, I mean, I'd I'd be I think a a rake or a husk mm. of a human being if um, if 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 I wanted all of that. No, in a sense, it sort of placates the the um, acquisitive architectural being in me. Um, so I'm I enjoy. It, it, it all vicariously and that is it's a huge privilege that yeah. uh, yes of course there are projects which I love but, uh, but just as there are teams and colleagues that I love and enjoy working with are still after 20 years um, uh, and there are great projects near great pubs with fantastic lunch sometimes too so there are all kinds of reasons why a project is 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 memorable. <laughs> uh, can we just return to uh, really serious kind of big matters for the last couple of minutes, Kevin? What does solve the house building crisis in this country? Uh, because the pledges made by government uh, to build, uh, I think, in excess of 300,000 new homes uh, every year, I mean, it's just impossible to meet, has not been met in the past. Is it a realistic target? What will actually happen to this whole generation of people especially the younger generation who can't see home ownership as ever ever being available to them yeah well I, I think for a start we have to be pluralistic in our planning of the market we have to think about a fracturing of the market look that the the construction industry doesn't enjoy one crisis it's several um, uh, 
there is extremely poor and deliberately confusing legislation in place from central government. Uh, there are uh, cities like Lancaster, uh, others around the country that are trying to set their own very high standards of b building regulations so that they can produce passive housing as standard, they can demand it of developers and builders. Um, and in Lancaster, ironically, th this stuff is being built by the the private sector, uh, companies who are making profits building really high quality housing. So Lancaster have a tremendous track record here. And, and yet the policy from central government suggests that on you know on a Monday you might you might get your local plan passed and on a Tuesday you might not there is a fantastic degree of ambiguity in government legislation uh, over what it's asking of the housing industry meanwhile half a dozen major house builders the largest of which turned over last year to March 22 um, four and a half billion pounds with 1.1 billion pounds of profit that's persimmon that's an enormous amount phantasmagorical amount of money it, it, by anybody's standards, Th that company is one of six who are just churning out the standard product. And and they have tremendous, because of their size, huge control over the market. Now, we also have, because we haven't trained anybody since the 1980s properly, we have an enormous crisis in, in skills, made worse by COVID because of the number of people that left the industry, particularly the older guys and women who were really uh, skilled and we all hope would be passing down their... Their, their their skills to the younger generation um so th we have a crisis of land too uh, and land availability um but one thing's for sure in my mind if we fractured the supply chain if we said actually do you know what in austria six to eight thousand small suppliers doing all of the homes let's 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 move to that model let's try and create diversity of supply diversity of tenure diversity of ownership models diversity of 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 construction methods too and design and architecture then we move to a, a model which is closer to that of, of Germany uh, Austria uh, continental Europe and uh, and would no doubt lead to to much better performing buildings hmm. uh, what's the longest queue for at the grand designs uh, <laughs> week is it underfloor heating is it is one it of lunch? those boiling water taps what is it they're all there it, are they all there <laughs> they're all yeah. they're all there um they're, yes great um the longest queue maybe uh, to get in in the morning. It's, it's a very funny thing, but we 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 open the show. Uh, we are, I'm opening next morning. We have a little ribbon, and you know we say a few silly words. And um, the the yeah, people are kind of quite keen to get there in get, get in there early, which is fun. We have a little marching uh, little marching band to take us in, which is rather or rather sweet. Kevin McLeod talking ahead of Grand Designs Live, which takes place at the NEC from the 4th to the 8th of October. So that's today, isn't it? He's cutting the ribbon today. Oh, today. How exciting. Grand Designs Live. Would you go? Um, I am not particularly ambitious design-wise. Oh, come off it. We had a fantastic <laughs> conversation about carpets today. Well, we did. <laughs> we, we did? Yeah. Only because I, I'm slightly embarrassed to admit that... Uh, that I've not actually changed the carpets in about, well, put it this way. Um, my One of my kids' bedrooms has had, had a solid lump of something in the corner of the carpet. She's at uni at the moment, so I was moving her bed and I discovered this revolting other ecosystem-type world under her bed. It was truly dreadful. There was a baby Bjorn, long neglected, a collection of snow globes, the cat has obviously been making merry under there for many, a, yeah, exactly. Um, but there was this 
bit of stuff which I thought was candle wax and I have interrogated her on the telephone and she tells me it was solidified slime. Which dates it, doesn't it? It, re it really does. So how long has that been there? Long and short of it, she needs a new carpet. Mm. So you could head off to Grand Designs live and you could see lots of different floor coverings. Yes, uh, yeah, there is an absolutely dizzying array of floor coverings in the average carpet shop at the moment. I don't, I'm completely out of it's, my depth. It, yeah, it's a little bit like back in the day when you went to Blockbusters, isn't it? And you just couldn't, as soon as you got into yeah. Blockbusters, you didn't know what you wanted to yeah, watch. Well, exactly. And I, You just ended up with Dirty Dancing again. <laughs> <laughs> so you will, you'll go to the carpet shop, you'll just end up with exactly the same carpet that's in your house. Um, well, I have more or less, I've come home with a couple of samples. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, so uh, the night wolf, the evening will fly by as we analyse Well, won't them. it just? <laughs> yes, this and evening. then you'll be uh, experimenting with your Peugeot pepper grinder in front of Boiling Point. Happy days! <laughs> Happy days! There's still time to get tickets for Shirley Ballas with us at the Cheltenham Literature Festival on Monday afternoon. Is it a good time? I mean, it won't ruin the day. It's at, uh, is it half past three? It starts at half past three. Well, the live show starts at three, but Shirley will be on at half three. Yeah, it'll be really good fun. So come along if you can. It'll and, be nice to see you. Yeah, and Cheltenham has a range of possibilities. There's restaurants, coffee bars, and a very secret government building. No, not that again. Right, <laughs> <laughs> OK. Well, if we haven't lost her to the world of international espionage... Uh, it'll be Jane Garvey and Fee Glover with you again tomorrow uh, in the final instalment of this week's Off-Air. Good evening. You did it. Elite listener status for you for getting through another half hour or so of our whimsical ramblings, otherwise known as the hugely successful podcast Off Air with Jane Garvey and Fee Glover. We miss the modesty class. <laughs> our Times Radio producer is Rosie Cutler, the podcast executive producer. It's a man, it's Henry Tribe. Yeah, he's an executive. Now, if you want even more, and let's face it, who wouldn't, then stick Times Radio on at three o'clock Monday until Thursday every week, and you can hear our take on the big news stories of the day, as well as a genuine interesting mix of brilliant and entertaining guests on all sorts of subjects. Thank you for bearing with us and we hope you can join us again on Off Air very soon. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.